podcast super excited to be back with you guys we had a few weeks off due to a big move from denver down to dallas so we're all settled in well mostly settled in down here really excited for the food the coffee the no more winters we're in the heat of summer right now so you know i might regret that at some point but i'm looking forward to no winters for the first time in my life but that's neither here nor there with the episode that I've got coming your way today. So we got part one of a two-part episode going over the eight strategies to losing your first five to 10 pounds. And these are gonna be all strategies that don't require counting calories. A lot of people don't wanna do that. It is a very effective way to help yourself lose weight, but we're not gonna look at that during these episodes. We're gonna look at other strategies that you can implement right away to help you lose five to 10 pounds with your first five to 10 pounds. So if you've already got some momentum, you've already started making healthy changes, some of these might be familiar to you. If you haven't, all of these will probably be new to you, but regardless of where you're at, they're gonna be useful. You're gonna come across something that maybe you're not working on and it's gonna be very useful for helping you get those first five to 10 pounds down and they're gonna be just foundational habits that that you should have in your repertoire anyways. So we're gonna touch on why they're beneficial, why this certain strategy is beneficial, and then we'll also touch on how to actually implement said strategy because we wanna be able to apply these things as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. The very first strategy and a super underrated one, one that most people don't think about at all, is to eat slowly and chew your food thoroughly. So this is something that I am very guilty of not doing. My dad always harped on on it with me. I totally didn't listen when I was a kid, but I tried it a couple times. Um, And what I noticed was it's very, very difficult. I would shovel my food in my mouth. My dad would eat very slowly. And even when I tried to pace myself with him to not finish before him, it was a super big challenge, and I, it felt excruciatingly painful in order to actually try and keep pace with him, and I never could, but just trying to pace myself with him did slow me down, but this can be one of the most impactful things that we do to help us lose weight because eating slowly allows us to identify when we are actually getting close to full so that we can stop just before that. Again, if we're trying to lose a little bit of weight, we're going to actually want to stop just before full. Think about 80% full. Think about not being full, but being satiated, being satisfied. That's where we want to end up. And if we're eating quickly, we're going to blow past that before we even realize that we've gotten there. And so that's the tough part with quick eating is that we just, we go too far and we don't have enough time to actually pull back and realize when we have actually reached that threshold of I'm satisfied, but I'm not stuffed. So chewing thoroughly not only slows down your eating, but it improves your digestion as well. So digestion does actually start in your mouth. Digestion starts before we even take in any food, which is pretty wild. Um, But we'll actually start creating, our body will start creating digestive enzymes 
just at the sight or smell of food. So as you're cooking, we're already getting digestion going. And then as you actually chew your food, some of that food, carbs in particular, are being digested in your mouth. So not all of it happens in the stomach or in the intestines. Some of it starts as early as in the mouth. So the more that that we chew, especially with carbohydrates, the more breakdown that is going to occur and the easier it's going to be on our digestion because we've already gotten that process started. We've already broken it down a little bit. It's less work for your gut to do and our gut health improves. So we've got a double whammy here by eating slowly and chewing your food thoroughly. Not only can we slow down your eating, which brings us more mindfulness around our food, which brings us more mindfulness around the point at which we are full, but it can improve digestion as well. So we've got a double whammy with this really simple habit. But again, despite being simple, it's very, very difficult to implement. You have to be super mindful with each meal, with each bite of slowing yourself down. So how can you do that? How can you be be mindful? One of the biggest ways, one of the easiest ways, I think, is to put your utensils down between bites. Take the bite, put your fork down. Take a second to chew. Then you've got to pick that fork back up in order to go in for the next bite. That'll slow you down a lot. You can do the same thing with water. Um, You can take sips of water in between bites, but I prefer to just put the utensil down, take a moment, make sure that you're chewing. This also makes sure that you don't load up your utensil with your next bite while you're chewing your current one. Who's guilty of that? Definitely me. Put one bite in your mouth, and as you're chewing, you're already getting the next one ready for the moment that you swallow. We don't want to do that. We want to take time in between bites. We want to savor that. We want to allow that chewing process to aid in digestion. So chew more deliberately, count your chews if necessary, and stop distracted eating. Stop eating in front of screens and other distractions so that you can actually focus and be mindful of your food. But really the biggest strategy here is going to be put your utensils down between bites. That'll stop you from loading up your your utensil with the next bite. And then again, get away from screens. The more distracted you are, the harder it is to mindfully slow down your eating. You're not going to be mindful of something you're not paying attention to if you're paying attention to your phone or the TV. So put the utensils down, get away from screens. If you do both of those things and you bring your mindfulness to your food, you're going to be really successful with this habit. And again, it's going to help you twofold with slowing you down and allowing you to read those signals and also aiding in digestion. So Real easy one to do there. Well, I shouldn't say that. Real simple one to do there. Not easy though. It's gonna take some practice. It's gonna take some mindfulness, but it can make a big, big difference. Much bigger than you think from such a simple little habit. Number two, drink more water. Always a good thing to increase our water intake because it's essential for maintaining blood pressure. It's essential for nutrient transport and waste removal within the body. It's also critical for body temperature regulation. But also, it is required to create energy. Water is part of the process for creating energy. That hydrogen molecule from that H2O is needed in order to create energy. I sound like a broken record. But drinking more water then gives you more energy. So you can output more caloric burn and put increased effort into your activity workouts especially, but also life. Drinking more water just simply makes you energetic. I'm a big coffee drinker. You guys know this if you follow me on social. 
what I do notice is if I get too wrapped up in my coffee in the morning, I actually feel more tired. And it's because I'm not drinking enough water. I always start my day with, with some water and I try and get ahead of the curve. But then, you know, sometimes after that first first chug that tries to tries to get a lot of water in me before I get to my coffee. And then again, sometimes I get distracted by the coffee. And around midday, if I'm feeling sluggish, what it usually is is not obviously a lack of caffeine because I took care of that part. What it is is a lack of water. And so dehydration can actually affect cardiovascular health, heart health, performance. It can even increase cortisol, our stress hormone that can contribute to retaining body fat. And so if we are well hydrated, we're going to perform better. We're going to sleep better. We're going to have more energy because again, water is literally chemically required in order to create energy. So get hydrated and then you have the ability to burn more calories more effectively and more efficiently. So if all you do is drink more, you're going to support your body better for fat burning and energy output. You're going to burn more calories because you're going to want to put out more calories because you're going to feel damn good and energetic. So drink more water. How can we do that? First and foremost, over the course of the day, aim for half your body weight in ounces per day at a minimum. If you exercise, add another 15 ounces to that. If you're far away from that goal and you're not even close to half your body weight in ounces per day, then slowly build up. Add five or 10 ounces, maybe a week, five or 10 ounces a week until you hit that goal. Don't feel the need to go from way far away like half of that amount, all the way up to the goal amount. That's a huge adjustment. Go slow, work your way up. One of the best ways, though, to affect this is what I alluded to before of drinking water right upon waking. I recommend anywhere from 12 to 24 ounces. Depends on how much water you have to drink. So basically, the bigger the human that you are, drink higher on the end of that spectrum. But start your day by drinking water, like literally wake up, drink water. I mean, do all your normal stuff, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, all that good stuff, but then drink your water, get a good head start. Cause when we fall behind on drinking our water, it is very, very difficult to catch up. But when we get that head start, we feel good. We realize what it can do for us. We get a little hydrated, we get that momentum. And then from there, it's much, much easier. So give yourself that big head start, 12 ounces minimum upon waking, Try and get up to 24. I often try and shoot for 36. It's ambitious. I don't get it all the time or even necessarily that often, but that's what I aim for. I aim to try and get most of my my water bottle down. I got one of those big 36 ounces. I want to try and get most of that down before I, I take a sip of coffee. Again, it's not actually even common that I get the whole thing down beforehand, but I try to. And I aim for that. And I try and get as much as I can in before a sip of coffee because I know, again, once that coffee hits, that's going to be my focus. And I'm going to lose some momentum with that water. And that's okay if I've gotten off to that great start. So get off to that great start. And if you still struggle with consistently getting water in throughout the day, then use an app or just set your reminders on your phone. But there are, are apps where you can actually set hourly reminders, 15 minute reminders if need be. Sometimes they have little fun games where every time you you log your water, you feed a little plant and then the plant grows throughout the day and you can feel really accomplished from helping this little plant get its water. Guess what? You're the plant. Give yourself some water. 
But if you need to gamify it a little bit, there are plenty of apps out there that can help you do that and help send reminders to you. If all you need is the reminders, then get in your phone, set hourly reminders or whatever frequency you need and ping yourself to get the reminder to drink your water. Some people do genuinely need that and that's okay. But start early with your water, start fast and furious, give yourself that great head start. And then again, if you need to, use reminders to get yourself consistently drinking throughout the day and do so from an unreasonably big water bottle. Like I said, I think mine is 36 ounces. It's a lot easier to get your water when you're constantly carrying that thing around. It is my constant companion since I've had it. And it just makes it far easier to be mindful about your water intake when you have one big water bottle that is your go-to water bottle. This is what I drink out of every day. Get yourself one if you don't have it. Now, strategy three, sleep. We're going to talk a lot about sleep on this podcast. We'll go in depth at some point, but just generally, super important habit, super important foundational strategy for overall health, but especially with weight loss. Our body functions better when we're well-rested, and that better functioning can lead to those 5 to 10 pounds coming off. But sleep is our most important recovery and stress relief tool. If we're not fully recovered or low in stress, we're unlikely to lose weight, and we're likely to carry extra inflammation that impacts the scale. So if sleep is getting getting us recovered and getting rid of stress, which is exactly what it does, then the, the scale is going to reflect that. We're going to feel better. We're going to carry around less inflammation. We're going to carry around less water weight. And the scale is going to move in our favor. But on top of that, lack of sleep actually affects our hunger hormones. So now we can bring calories in, calories out into the mix. How does sleep affect that? Well, ghrelin, our hunger-stimulating hormone. I always remember that it's hunger-stimulating because ghrelin and ghrelin sound really familiar. So if your stomach is ghrelin, that's because of ghrelin. But when we don't get enough sleep, this hunger-stimulating hormone goes up. So we get hungrier just from lack of sleep. Now, on top of that, leptin, our satiety signaling hormone, the one that tells us when we're full, goes down. So when we're lacking sleep, our hunger goes up, our ability to sense when we're full goes down, and now we've got this double whammy where we're influenced to eat more, but we cannot as readily identify when we are full. Sounds like a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? So get your sleep. That minimum threshold is about seven hours. We want to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Seven should be your minimum. Where you then fall within that spectrum is up to you. Play around with it. See what feels best to you. For me, it's about eight and a half. Or at least I like to be in bed, lights out, all that good stuff, eight and a half hours before I got to wake up. That's when I typically feel my best. Eight is good. Less than that, and I start to feel the effects of it a little bit. I don't feel as well rested as I should, but you get me eight and a half, I'm looking good. And on top of just getting your seven to nine hours, there's also studies that show when people only get four to five hours of sleep, they will eat about 300 more calories per day. And out of those extra calories or out of their calories in general, more calories will come from lower quality food versus people who are well-rested. So again, you can see that your lack of sleep 
also affects how you eat. So we get our sleep in line and we're going to tell, we're going to give our body the tools to work with us, with our hunger, with our sense of fullness, rather than work against us. We want to get things working for us. We don't want to create resistance. Lack of sleep creates resistance. So get your seven to nine hours of sleep. Now, how can we do that? What are some strategies around sleep? Well, you'll improve your sleep by getting sunlight. Sunlight in the morning, sunlight in the afternoon can actually help with sleep. I prefer to prioritize the morning sunlight. Helps with waking up, but it also does help with going to sleep because it starts the clock for melatonin release later in the night. So as quickly as you can, ideally within 60 minutes of waking, go outside, get 10 to 15 minutes of sunlight. This sets our circadian rhythm for the day and it helps falling asleep at night. It's also going to help with your energy throughout the day. Now you can also black out and cool down your bedroom. And when I say you can, I mean you should because that's creating the best environment for sleep as dark as possible and as cool as possible. Our body wants to cool down by a couple degrees at night in order for optimal sleep. So we want to facilitate that by icing out the room with the air conditioning. We also should avoid blue light and overhead lights for one to two hours before bed. This is a very challenging one, one that I also struggle with, with phones, with TV, with wanting to use both to relax at night. But the more that you can avoid blue light and overhead lights, the better your sleep is going to be. So put those screens away. Turn the ceiling lights off. And if you need to use lights, use desk lamps. Use something more at eye level or below. But use light in your favor. And screens especially. I know that there's at least one study that shows that something like for every for every one hour of screen usage, you're basically costing yourself about 30 minutes of sleep, roughly. And this is just one study that showed this, but I've felt it. Those nights that I spend on my phone before going to sleep, I always sleep worse. It's harder to fall asleep, harder to stay asleep. So there's almost a direct trade-off between screen time before bed and sleep time. And lastly, well, not lastly, we got two more strategies for sleep. So have a consistent sleep and wake time, even on the weekends. The more consistent you are with your bedtime and your wake up time, the more that your body can get into a groove, the better it's going to sleep. When your body knows what to expect and has a routine, it performs better. It likes that routine. So it's tough because on the weekends we want to sleep in. We want to stay up late. We want to sleep in. But the more that you can stick to a consistent schedule, the better you're going to feel. So if you need to give yourself some wiggle room, staying within an, about an hour of that consistent bedtime and wake-up time, you should be okay within that hour. But the more regimented, the more consistent that you can be with your bedtime, with your wake-up time, the easier it's going to be to fall asleep and stay asleep and get good, good quality sleep. So be as consistent as you can with that. And when you set that bed and wake-up time, this is... Part this is part two of the two that we had left. Give yourself an eight to nine hour sleep opportunity. So sleep opportunity is really just your time in bed. Lights out, phone down, alarm set, eyes closed, all that good stuff. We want to give ourselves eight or nine hours in bed with all that stuff. Because then, even if it takes us a little while to fall asleep, we're still going to hit that seven plus hours. We're still going to get enough sleep even if it does take us a second to fall asleep. So I like to give myself about that eight and a half hour sleep opportunity. That's when I know that I'll feel my best. So create that schedule, 
that consistent bedtime and wake up time around that sleep opportunity. That's how you're going to make sure that your sleep is quantity is good, quality is good. All right. Last one for this episode. Strategy number four, eat protein with each meal. Protein has the highest thermic effective food, which thermic effective food is just the energy that it takes to digest and absorb nutrients. So we use some of the calories that we eat in order to digest and assimilate those nutrients. So protein relative to carbs and fat will burn more calories to digest. It's much more significant effect. And in the large scheme of things, thermic effect of food accounts for roughly 10% of our calorie burn throughout the day. So even if we do greatly affect the thermic effect of food, it's not going to have a massive effect on your calorie burn over the course of the day. But we can increase that slightly. That can boost your metabolism a little bit immediately. Again, it's not going to be hugely significant, but it is going to have an impact. And then on top of that, protein tends to be the most satiating macronutrient. Again, the macros are proteins, carbs, and fats. So they'll keep you fuller for longer compared to carbs and fats. So we burn a little bit more calories in order to digest them, and they keep us fuller for longer. And that's going to aid in being able to keep our weight down. And then not only that, but it helps with maintaining and building lean mass, which is also going to boost your metabolism. So win, win, win. Really, when we look at it, protein needs to be the focus of each and every meal, and that's going to help you get lean, stay lean, have tone and definition like you may want. So if we incorporate protein with each meal, it's going to be far easier to lose those first 5 to 10 pounds. Now how can we do that? Include a robust protein source with each of your daily meals. You should be eating two to four times per day. I like three to four times for myself, but I'm always making sure to get around 40 grams or 40 grams or more of protein with each of those meals. Breakfast that comes from like kefir and yogurt. That's part of my daily smoothie, my daily gut health smoothie. The rest of my meals, my robust protein sources are typically animal proteins, chicken thighs, ground beef, whatever it's going to be, but it's usually going to be an animal protein source. You can use whatever you like, whatever proteins you prefer, but make sure that they're present with those two to four meals per day. Aim to get around 30 grams of protein within each of those meals. Because again, if you're eating two to four meals per day, you're probably going to need at least 30 grams or more in order to hit a good protein goal, which if you want to do some math, a good protein goal is your body weight times 0.7 up to about your body weight times one. So 0.7 grams to one gram per pound of body weight is a very good protein recommendation. If you're a little bit heavier than you'd like to be, you can use your goal weight to calculate that. You don't need to eat crazy amounts of protein, but that's a good rule of thumb. And then on top of that, we also want to time our protein just a little bit with our workouts. So if you're doing strength training workouts, try and get about 30 grams of protein post-workout to take advantage of the muscle building stimulus from the workout. Because again, that that muscle build is also going to help our metabolism. And we want to lean into that. We want to boost that metabolism much as, as much as possible. Again, 
it's not going to be this massive effect, but is an effect. And so we want to use that to our advantage. So make sure that you're getting protein consistently with each meal. I plan my meals around protein. I make sure that protein is hit first. I can figure out the rest after that. But where am I going to get my protein from? That is, in my opinion, the most important macronutrient. So let's get that first. Let's figure that out first. Let's get our minimum 30 grams of protein for each meal. Let's figure out where that's going to come from, and let's build from there. Again, that's going to help you get lean, stay lean. It's going to make losing these first 5 to 10 pounds much, much easier. So that's part one. Those are the first four of eight habits to help you lose your first 5 to 10 pounds without tracking any calories. So to recap, we want to eat our food slowly and chew it thoroughly. We want to drink more water, half your body weight in ounces per day. We want to sleep seven to nine hours. And we want to eat protein with each meal, prioritize protein for each meal. So again, that's part one. I want to keep this a little more simple, a little easy to digest for you, make it applicable for you as well. So work on some of these habits before next week where we're going to drop part two. And we're going to cover the remaining four of these eight strategies. So thank you guys for tuning into this episode, for hanging in through a brief hiatus. But we're back with a vengeance now with this two-parter. So I'm going to make sure to get you guys the rest of these strategies next week. If you happen to try some of these out, please let me know. Please share it on social media. If you like the episode, share it on social media. I would love to see you guys posting and tagging me and seeing what you guys try out to lose those first five to 10 pounds. But again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your time and attention. And we're going to get to part two next week. Peace.